Hi friend, do you ever need to create marketing materials easily? Whether you need to make flyers or artwork for your blog, your podcast, or any number of different things, check out Canva. Go to findyourflow.com forward slash Canva. That's C-A-N-V-A. I've been using the free version of Canva for many, many years, and I recently upgraded to the pro version, and it's awesome. So go to findyourflow.com forward slash Canva to learn more. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Find Your Flow radio show podcast. I am your host, Winston Wittis, and this is just a short introduction because this particular episode had some weird audio fun going on, so it will sound like I am in a live theater or some other big place because of a really fun effect on the vocals, which I didn't realize was on when I was recording. So just wanted to give you a heads up on that. Not all episodes are like this in case you are listening to this podcast for the first time, but I hope you enjoy it. I think you'll like the content. It's it's pretty good if I do say so myself. <laughs> Actually, this is the second time I recorded this episode because the first time I didn't even record. So this has been a, a particularly interesting episode for the for all the weird things that happened during the recording of it. So there you go. Let's get to it. Hello and welcome to the Find Your Flow radio show podcast. I am your host, Winston Wittis, and I am here today with a very special topic. Today's topic is the cash flow quadrant. That's right. Some of you may be familiar with Robert Kiyosaki and his plentiful works about financial education, such as Rich Dad, Poor Dad, as well as Cash Flow Quadrant, and a whole series of other books help to edu- designed to help educate you about finances, about investing, about money in general, cash flow in particular. And the topic for today is the Cash Flow Quadrant. And so with the Cash Flow Quadrant, We are going to be talking about what it is, how it works, and why it's important. What we should, what we should, what we should learn about. Sorry, I'm driving. So uh, yeah, if you're new to the show, I'm gonna just uh, say my disclaimers and stuff up front that I usually do, which is I do this show sometimes while I'm driving because that's my flow because it allows me to do what I got to do, got to commute, and I just feel good at this time of day. feel like I want to talk and rant. And so uh, the sound quality isn't always the best because of that, or you might hear me um, dealing with things on the road here or other weird sounds that you might not hear on other podcasts, but that's okay. That's how we roll here. I do have some fantastic interviews coming up with some really cool entrepreneurs, but this one is is about a conversation I had with a fellow entrepreneur, a good buddy of mine by the name of Omari Broussard, and I actually did an interview with him many episodes ago. You can look it up. He is uh, dressed in his Navy uniform, retired Navy chief here, and uh, we actually started working together. Super excited. He is now a full-time consultant, as am I for internet marketing for real estate investors. So we get to talk about all things marketing. So basically we geek out all day long and it's amazing. 
all the marketing tools and all that. So that brought me to this remembering the cash flow quadrant because he asked me a question. So we're teaching investors, real estate investors, new investors primarily, but there's people who have been, been around and done it and just want to up their game. But we're teaching them marketing and there's strategy to marketing, there's technique to marketing, there's principles, underlying principles. When you understand the underlying principles, then it makes a lot more sense why, what the strategies are, how they work or why they work, and then the specific tactics are how you carry out those strategies, the things that you do to aim toward achieving your bigger strategy, right? So he asked me, there's a technique that is taught at this event that is called wholesaling. And that's basically a way that for people who are new to investing to be able to start investing right away without getting licensed as agents, without doing some of the other things that you would do if you went that route in building a real estate business. So he was asking me, should his wife, who's really interested in real estate, they both wanted to, they've already bought and sold some houses uh, primarily for their own residence and she's interested in getting her license. And he asked me if that was something I thought she should do or if she should just focus, they should focus on this investing thing and you know, what, what's the pros and cons. So I was thinking about it and it's kind of a tricky question because it really depends on a bunch of things. But for the most part, I, I gave him my response, tried not to be biased, but I am an agent and I am biased, I'm human, right? So that's just all there is to it. So we were, um, so it was like two in the morning, no, it's like 12 in the morning, and it occurred to me, okay, if the name of the game, as far as I'm concerned, as far as he's concerned, is the end game is having money work for us, not us working for money, not us working at a job or trading time for money, not that these are bad things necessarily, but that's not, for me, the end game. That's not my goal or my aspiration in life is to keep working forever. My goal is to be able to have my money start working for me as fast and as efficiently as possible. And that is the investor square of the cash flow quadrant. So let's, let's talk about the cash flow quadrant. So Robert Kiyosaki in his book, The Cash Flow Quadrant, great book, I highly recommend it. I've read it numerous times. It's been a long time. It's been years since I read it probably, but it was really good. And it just, it jumped into my mind. So if you can imagine a plus sign, so there's an upper left-hand corner an upper right-hand corner, a bottom left-hand corner, a bottom right-hand corner. So he splits it into these four quadrants. And then on the left side is basically uh, in the upper left-hand side, you have the employee. It's got an E in it for employee. If you're an employee, you're trading time for money and you are not getting any leverage. You have to work for your money. You know, you don't, if you stop working, you stop getting paid. So, you know, and I realize some of you are going to say, well, I get, you know, paid days off, right? You know, I get that. And this is, just look at the concepts, all right? Let's not get too nitpicky here. So, for the most part, you work, you get paid, you don't work, you don't get paid, okay? Now, in the bottom left-hand corner is the self-employed quadrant. The self-employed quadrant is when you own a job. So instead of having a job working for somebody else as an employee, now you have a job but you're working for yourself. So that is 
you know, seemingly better for a lot of people because now you're your own boss. We'll get into that in a little bit here. Now on the right-hand side of the quadrant, in the upper right-hand corner, you've got B for business. When you have a business, you have people working business systems for you, making money for you. So now it's not just your time and energy going into the business to produce money for you. It is other people's time and energy going into the business, working their jobs to earn income for you. So that now you've got some leverage, right? You can leave and have people still producing for you, have people still working. So that's, that's the start of the right side of the quadrant. Now below the business side in the bottom right hand corner of the, of the cash flow quadrant is the investor. And the investor has their money working for them. So the business owner has people working for them. The investor has money working for them. This is cool. Which is a really cool, crazy concept. And it took me, it didn't take me a long time to understand once I read it, but you know, until I read it, I had been self-employed forever, forever. Because my first job, I worked for my dad, I was an employee, moving big, heavy wall units, entertainment systems, which are kind of obsolete now, you don't even see them, but for the big screen TVs, they would go around the TV, big wooden cabinets, very heavy, I'd move them in and out of the warehouse, load up the trucks, unload the trucks. That was, that was the life for summers during, during high school. Then I got my dream job. Yep, got to work at Taco Bell. That's right, friends. Winston was out there. Okay, friend, let's drive here. We got a green light. That means you can go. Thank you. And so, uh, so Taco Bell was awesome because I already ate there three times a day pretty much. And I discovered that if you work at Taco Bell, you get 50% off as an employee, or at least that's how it was back then. And that was, that was like the most easiest business decision I ever made. If I was already eating there two or three times a day, and then I could cut my cost by half, and I could get paid to hang out there, that was pretty much a no-brainer for me. So sweated through, got the job, and proceeded to gain 12 pounds. But it was glorious, because it was so fun, and the food is so good. So anyway, um, that was an employee job, right? Dream job at the time, yeah, because it was, it was awesome. Then I proceeded to go do some sales jobs, because uh, I got recruited. I was so good at the drive-through <laughs> that I started getting job offers through the drive-through, sales, sales job offers, telemarketing job offers, and one day, because I wasn't getting the commissions I was supposed to be getting paid, the uh, manager there was playing some games. We, I took this job as a telemarketer and I discovered I love telemarketing. Yeah, I know, that's crazy. I'm one of those guys. So I was still an employee and I did that for a good while until I started off on my own and started doing my own businesses, my DJing biz and this and that. But the crazy thing was, as I got into being, so being an employee, it seemed like, you know, it was cool, but I wanted to work for myself, right? I wanted the freedom, I wanted the flexibility, I wanted the, the power and the pride that comes with working for yourself. And I'd always been entrepreneurial. Ever since I was a kid, I would, my, my sister and I, we would make art and sell it in front of our house. 
or bracelets or lemonade. You know, we always were doing some kind of, or we had this snail business where, um, you know, when it'd get rainy and there'd be snails out, we would go pick snails off people's plants for like 25 cents or 50 cents a snail, something crazy. And it's gross, but, but people loved it. It was actually one, one couple, like we just cleaned up this place and we came with a big old bag and they were just like, whoa. And um, we ended up, they ended up renegotiating that contract because it would have cost them a fortune. But, but that was it. That was, that was how we, we ruled growing up. So we are very entrepreneurial. And, um, but what I learned over time when I became a licensed agent and I was building that business or what I thought was a business, I was working 80 hours a week. I, it took me, first of all, I'll point out, it took me a couple of years to get to the point where I could put 80 hours a week into my, into my real estate business because I had been a music teacher and um, you know, part-time I was teaching at night all over the county, driving literally 100 miles a day just from lesson to lesson to lesson and, um, and also telemarketing in the morning until I was able to go full-time into real estate. Then when I started having some more success and traction, I was able to uh, go full-time into real estate. So I was really happy, really excited. But what I didn't realize was, you know, I still work for myself, which, I, no, I did realize that because I thought that was awesome. What I didn't realize was I didn't really have a business. I had a job. I owned the job. It was my own job. I made it for myself. I was my own boss, but I was also my own employee. So if my employee didn't go to work, me, the boss, didn't get paid. And guess what? That just would not fly. So I cracked the whip on that employee. That guy had to be the first one in, the last one out. He worked his butt off. But guess what? That guy was me. So was that really better than being an employee where I had a steady paycheck? I didn't think so because I had the freedom. And I got some big checks. I got some big checks. More money than I had made at any of my jobs. But then there was all those months in between and I didn't get paid any checks. And then those big checks kind of started getting divided over a month or two. They started not being quite as big because I didn't have that level of consistency yet. So anyway, both of these are left side of the quadrant uh, positions, right? I was an employee for Taco Bell and for these telemarketing companies, and then I was self-employed as a DJ, as an artist, or I'm sorry, as a DJ, as a music teacher, and as a, um, a real estate agent, okay? So I had these self-employed things going. I was my own businessman, I was self-employed. Man, that's cool, right? But guess what, I was never seeing my wife. She was missing me, I was burnt out, I was stressed out. I had ups and downs in my income. And that's, you know, just part of being an entrepreneur is what they tell us. Oh, that's, you know, all part of it. It's a lonely road, it's very challenging. So, Okay, that's reconvenient moment here. I'm gonna gather my thoughts for you guys. All right, take a quick pause for station identification. Okay, and we're back. We're back. More talk about the cash flow quadrant. So we've talked a bit about being an employee. We've talked a bit about being self-employed. Now we're gonna talk about having a business. So. When you move from the left side of the cash flow quadrant to the right side of the cash flow quadrant, something magical happens. Magical, really, Winston? 
Magic's not real. Magic is totally real, friends. Magic is totally real. Don't let anybody tell you it's not. It's totally real. When you move from the left side of the cash flow quadrant to the right side of the cash flow quadrant, you gain leverage. Leverage is magic. It's totally magic. Because now instead of one to one, I work one hour and get paid one hour's wage. I can work one hour and get two or three or four or more times wage because I now have employees earning income for me. That is the power of the business. I have systems in place and employees or self-employed uh, independent contractors is actually the way I ran it that worked for me. They earned income for me. They earned income for themselves too, too of course, right? But I had the structure, I had the framework for them to work within and that's the, the value I brought to them because they wouldn't do it if there was no value to them, right? They had to get paid. So I did this with my DJ business. It did become a DJ business because then I had some friends helping me out. They would DJ the nights I didn't want to DJ or they would, you know, I started developing these circuits with the clubs. I, so I'd have a couple clubs or two or three clubs going at a time where, you know, um, a few nights a week and there's kind of this rotation, right? Okay, Friday nights this club, Saturday nights this club, and then following Wednesday is gonna be this other club. So we had this rotation, and I had my, some of my DJ friends that would cover nights for me, so I'd pay them. But I'd also take a cut for managing the whole system, for putting the whole thing together. Make, and because if anything fell through, guess who's ultimately responsible for making sure that night still goes off? Me, right, the business owner. But I had leverage. I was able to get more clubs going because I had more people who could fill those spots and work. And they were happy to because it was their dream gigs too. You know, they were getting a DJ, they were getting to make, get paid, play music. So that was my DJ business. Then I had this tutoring business that, um, oh, this is, I know I'm blurring my timeline. Sorry, I do that sometimes. Um, after I got out of real estate, right before the market crashed, I saw the market in 2008. 2000, late 2007, I saw I saw it was coming, and I realized that I'm gonna you know have to restructure my whole business, all these systems I've spent so much time building and getting good at. I was no longer be going to be able to use those same systems the same way because the market's gonna change. I'm gonna have to totally revamp. I'm gonna be working 80 hours a week still. I'm never gonna get out of this. I'm never gonna get leverage. That was kind of the the conclusion I came to. My wife was. Sick of never seeing me. I was sick of always being stressed out and working on weekends, doing open houses and working all day and night. And, um, you know, I was burnt out. I wanted to get back into music. So I went back into music. I figured I'd take all this new marketing stuff I learned uh, as I started learning about direct response. That was, that was a, another, ah, yes, okay, another leverage point here. So when I was in real estate and I was building my business or my self-employed position, I, before I knew direct response marketing, I would just cold call for literally, once I got to the point that I could put in four hours every morning on the phones, cold calling, telemarketing on the phones. For, I would telemarket for this other business before I was able to quit that job. I would telemarket for this other company to get my hourly rate, to get an hourly wage just to you know pay bills and stuff. And then eventually I was able to quit that and stop and cut out my music students and do the real estate thing full time. I would literally cold call for four hours every morning, then I would have lunch, and then I would go out on appointments or go door knocking the rest of the day. 
that was my life. And then I would write offers and you know do marketing for my listings. And that was seven days a week, literally seven days a week. It was freaking, it was a grind. It became a grind very quick, right? But I became one of the top agents. So I hit my goal of being a top agent. But then I had this crisis of consciousness, right? Why am I working so hard to make six figures? And I hadn't hit it yet, that was my goal. Get six figures, right? Get six, make six figures. That's the magic number. And I have to do this many deals, which means I have to do this many contracts, which means I have to make this many phone calls, which means I have to spend this many hours every single day making this many phone calls to make this many appointments, to make this many, uh, get this many listings, to sell this many, to make my numbers. That's what it boils down to, right? That's what it really takes. And I really, and so it's like this this point of like, is this really what I want? Do I want six figures that bad where I'm selling my freaking life to doing this grind that I'm not even happy with anymore? And I said, no. And my wife said, no, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. We don't need that much extra income. You know, we, it's better, it's, it'd be more fun to spend this time together and live our life and live a life. So that was the conclusion we came to and that's when I got out of the real estate business. People thought I was crazy. Everybody in my office, I think, thought I was crazy. Because I, I was just getting to the top of my game at that point, right? I was winning the awards for top producing agent, top listing agent. And, you know, I wasn't the top top because there were some big dogs in there, but I was in the top 20%, close to the breaking in the top 4%. But I couldn't hang anymore. I wanted my life back. So I went back to music. And did that for a while before I realized that it was still tough, <laughs> still really tough to make the kind of money I wanted to make in the part of the music industry I was working, in the clubs, namely, clubs and festivals. I was making money, but not as much as I wanted. And that's when I broke into the wedding industry and the corporate industry, because that's where the money is. So I had to, there was the things I felt passionate about, and I did feel passionate about real estate, but I also, I wanted to make money as an artist, be a full-time artist, and I was able to do that. I started, I was DJing, I picked up more students, and I taught part-time at a school. So then I was full-time in music, teaching music, which was very important to me to give back to younger kids coming up because I had great music teachers growing up and uh, changed my life. So I felt very much, made a promise with God, if, I don't know if any of you ever done something like that where it's like, all right, you know what, you did this for me, I'll do this for you, <laughs> kind of thing. Or like, you know, yeah, kind of those kind of things we make with ourselves sometimes. So anyway, um, so I, I felt like, you know, I gotta give back, I wanna teach. I love teaching, I love it. So I gotta teach private students, gotta teach in private schools, was teaching band, and I was DJing on the weekends. So I was doing my thing, you know, I was very happy. Did that for a good while then, but that, again, I didn't have any leverage there. It was Winston working these crazy hours all day, every day. And even on weekends, because then I was DJing on weekends. So again, I was back to this crazy schedule and this crazy grind. No leverage. I was self-employed, I was my own boss, except for at the school where I was an employee. But the rest of it was all self-employed stuff, which gave me a lot of freedom and a lot of power, but also a lot of headache, because I couldn't get any leverage. If I stopped working, I stopped making money. So that was, uh, in my opinion, a limited system, right? 
there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. Now, there's a whole bunch of story craziness in between. I'm not going to get into it in this particular episode. But getting back to, getting over to the right side. So uh, somewhere in between there, started a tutoring business. Actually, my wife started a tutoring business, and I just jumped on to help. Special Needs Tutoring USA. It's for kids with special needs to get tutors that can help them with their special needs. And my wife is a special ed uh, teacher, by the way. And um, so she started this little business in the summer. Actually, she started self-employed kind of thing, right? She just wanted to get some students for herself over the summer. But then she had some teacher friends that also wanted some students. So she started booking them students. So now she had a business. So now she has independent contractors out there working on her behalf, earning money for her. And then when she went back to work, I decided I was going to build that business. So I did for a little while. And we had leverage, started giving us leverage, but I realized I wasn't really fond of that business. You know, I did it for a good while, I gave it a good effort, but my heart just wasn't in it. Fast forward to uh, today, let's say, for now. I'm an employee again. I took a job recently, about six months ago now, actually. I've been an uh, entrepreneur, self-employed, again, for a long time. And I got, you know, ups and downs, good months, not so good months, stress, all the fun that comes with being an entrepreneur. <laughs> Consistent income, and you know, not that everyone goes through that, but I'd say most do, until you get your, get your mojo going. And um, I couldn't figure out what the heck I wanted to do. I'm, I was over DJing, been over DJing for a few years, um, but still taking DJ gigs because I built all these systems to give me DJ gigs. That was my dream job, right? Oh, I could just DJ and this would be great. And I did that. And I've been DJing for a long time. But I'm over it. You know, I still get referrals from friends and family and those are fun. But for the most part, like, I'm done. Done, friends. You ever been over something? Yeah. That's, that's been it for me. So, like, how can I get out of this? How can I... So, I know marketing, right? And I know with marketing, I can create any kind of work that I want. But what I realized was I was creating, uh, it takes work or it takes time and energy to do marketing. As, as automated as it was, I, I would do it. It still takes time. Sorry, I'm trying to let this driver in. Thank you. There you go. It still takes time to do the marketing to at least set it up. And then I did have automated systems that were basically bringing me hot leads that wanted to book me for these weddings and for corporate events. But then I still had to sell the gig. I still had to do the consultations. I still had to load the gear if it wasn't a big enough gig where I wanted to hire an assistant. So I had to set, like all, you know, set up, uh, do the gig, tear down, unload, load, unload, you know, all these things. It's a, it became a grind. My, one of my passions became my grind, okay? And that kind of sucks. That's not really a fun thing. So, um, and again, I had, you know, I got to work with friends and stuff, and that's, and, and everybody was great. You know, I, I, I never, I've only had like less than a handful of clients who weren't totally awesome. Oh, and I've been doing it for a long time, 15 years. 16 years now, but just over it, right? So how could I get leverage? So what I realized was 
one, um, and what do I want to do with my life? What's my, my calling, my purpose? My purpose, I feel, is to share information, share systems that I've learned or developed to help you, other people out there in the world, to enjoy their lives more, to live a more flowing, happy life, to create synergy among people all over the world, of every race and nationality and religion, to create a flow, a system to get into flow. So what is that? The flow for me, there's different kinds I've talked about in some other episodes, and um, and I even have a free mini course that will allow you to get into flow quickly and easily in three easy steps. That's what the conclusion I came to, that's a system I developed over years of practicing and studying it. And so you can get that for free. Just uh, look around the site, findyourflow.com, free mini course, and check it out. So that's one element of it. This cash flow element is something that as I'm learning more and more about and practicing more and more about, I'm putting into being, I like to be able to teach from being able to do first, lead by example. So with my real estate business, and I say business because I have people who I hire to do work for me, not employees, but self-employed independent contractors, freelancers, and also being able to, you know, have like Omari, um, one my good friend I mentioned earlier, some of his family can be able to help out. So me letting go and not trying to control it all myself, which is a bad habit of my own, and being able to let them work, give them the opportunity to work and serve and provide value. And then for myself to not be creating more jobs for myself because that is the trap of many entrepreneurs. That is the making more jobs for ourselves. Okay, so how do I move from being a self-employed person to being a business owner? Well, first of all, I gotta let people work. I gotta stop taking all the jobs myself and not micromanaging necessarily, but not even micromanaging because I haven't even let other people in, <laughs> right? If I'm trying to do it all myself. So that's, that's the game here now is, and I think, oh, so the point being, um, back to the, the main first question, Omari asked me, Winston, what is the point of, you know, should his wife get her license? And, it, and the cash flow quadrant popped into my mind and it said, being an agent is pretty much a self-employed left side of the cash flow quadrant kind of position for the most part. There are agents who turn it into a business. By and large, though, they're self-employed. Whereas to get the end game, if the end game for you, as it is for me, as it is for Omari, is have our money work for, for us, instead of us working for our money, well, is do you have to be an agent to do that? Do you have to go through this self-employed part to get there? I don't believe so. To an extent, yeah, but it's a temporary thing. And if you're going off on this tangent to go get a license to be able to do this when you could just skip that, then it's kind of a tangent, right? Now, granted, I'm not judging anybody either which way, if you want to do it or not, you know, whatever. How about it? But the cash flow quadrant came to me and reminded me like, oh, here's, here's the real goal here. 
Yeah, you could be self-employed, you could go DJ, you could go do these things, but you're not going to get leverage. You're, you're just going to own a job. One-to-one, -one, right? But if I can just start letting go of all these things I'm trying to do myself, all these jobs I've claimed as my own, and give these jobs, make, make jobs for other people, give jobs to other people, provide opportunities for other people, then I can be the business owner. And I don't have to do all these things. And I don't have to trade time for money because now I can give other people opportunities that maybe they didn't have before so that they can improve their life situation. And because I'm creating these opportunities, I get paid too. Isn't that great? Isn't that what makes America great? Is the opportunity to create opportunities for other people to be able to serve in that way. That's a powerful thing. That's synergy. That's win-win. That's what I'm trying to do here, friends. <laughs> so Mari and I, we we get talking, and like literally Monday night, my wife called, you know, and it was, and she, I guess she had texted earlier and called earlier, but honestly, the whole day just flew by. It was a 12-hour day, and you know, by the time I pick up the phone, it's 8:30 at night. We're standing, Mari and I are standing by the street just you know, talking, masterminding uh, about business and what we're doing and what our goals are and what we're planning. And four hours straight of that, after I'd made my last call that day for a consulting call, and we, hadn't, we didn't stop. Like, we didn't eat, we didn't drink anything. And I didn't, you know, didn't even realize we're standing out in the cold and, I mean, cold for San Diego, but, uh, you know, like, total loss of time. Right, my wife is crying. I pick up the phone. She's crying. Where are you? Why haven't you picked up your phone? And I was just like, Oh my gosh, I can't. Like, where have I been? What What have we been doing? How are we? Where am I? This whole like chaos. But it was awesome. It was awesome because we're we're plotting, we're planning, we're building opportunity for ourselves, for our families, and for other people who want to hustle, for other people who want to make it happen. Because we know how to create the work. We, that, we're marketers. That's what we do. We know how to generate business. But then somebody's got to do that business. Somebody's got to do that work. And for me, that's not going to be me anymore, right? I've been turning down DJ gigs. I've got people hitting me up. Hey, do you want this gig? Do you want this gig? And it's like, it's good money, you know? Um, it's all relative, so I'm not even going to throw out numbers. It's all relative, friends. But good money for, for me at this time in my life. But I'm saying no because... That's not, that doesn't play to the bigger picture. And yeah, I could go hustle and I could go make extra money and that would be great, but on the same token, that's time away from my family. That's time away from building the bigger picture where I do have leverage. And it's a balance. Which do I want? Which is gonna get me to the end game? Which is gonna, going to allow me to be and do and have the things I want in the now as well? You know, and there's a trade, right? Maybe. If I'm working, like I was up late last night till 12 or 12.30 and um, up kind of early this morning, but like the, the work day doesn't stop sometimes it feels like, right? So working, head hits the pillow, wake up, I'm on the way back to work. Some of you can relate. But there's bills that have to be paid, there's, there's now money needs and the employee part of me has to make that, right? I can't just not pay all this stuff. I can't, actually, I tried that for a while. And they start calling you, they start wanting to get paid. It's crazy how that happens. 
but yeah, they do. Or sometimes they say, you know what, we're not going to give you any more money, and so you got to pay us now, or we're going to like take things away from you. It's like, ah, okay, fair enough, fair enough, friends. So that's that's all good. You can test that for yourself. I devise against it. I would. It's. I mean, there's there's advantages, you know, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you know what you're doing and you're savvy. Sometimes that's the only way to go. If you want quickness, you need that capital, then you borrow capital. You can find people to invest in you and your vision and your maybe in your business. And that's what, you know, I'm not giving financial advice here, friends. This is not financial advice. Do what you got to do. Don't, don't come crying to me if you blow it because we all blow it. We all fail. Just get over it quick and move on and do it again, but better. Just improve a little bit every time. And I was thinking about this. I'm going to end with this because I've been, been going off for a minute here. But this is, this is some fun stuff. I hope you're enjoying this because this is the stuff that I don't always get to say on these big, you know, on, on a consulting call. This is kind of like big picture strategy stuff, big picture end game, where you going with your life kind of stuff, right? But um, we don't get into that too often, every once in a while. But all right, so the end thought here. I was watching this, um, this movie a while back. I'm going to clear my nose here. Excuse me a minute. Let's have a little music if we can. All right, all right. I'm back. Sorry. So, um, so this idea of, uh, okay, so this movie, it's, I think it was uh, Mark, what's his name? My wife loves him. Marky Mark. Mark Guy. I don't know. Um, all the ladies probably know exactly who I'm talking about. But anyway, it's this gambler movie. And he's got this horrible gambling problem. And he's like deep in the hole, deep in the hole, millions, right? And he's got these people that, you know, know he's got this problem, but they know he's really good too. But, and they're gamblers too, you know? And uh, loan sharks and whatnot. So anyway, so he needs backing. He needs money because he's down. And so he borrows money. And the guy says, promise me you're just going to go pay it, you know? And he says, okay, okay. He walks in with all this money, just about to go pay it off, and stops at the crafts table for one roll of the dice, and you know how that goes, right? I don't want to give away too much of the movie, but it's that part's kind of predictable. Really sad though, because this is you know true stories. My uncle has a similar true story, um, had and uh, literally walked away from Vegas, walked away from Vegas without even the shirt on his back, as he joked because. He hadn't realized while he was walking, leaving Vegas, that his shirt had fallen out of the back, his back pocket. So he literally lost the shirt off his back. <laughs> oh, yes. So there's that. But so here's the, the point of the story. So in this movie, you know, these guys, so then he's like way deep in the hole. And, and it's like, it's, it's interesting. He's, he's, when he starts going in, in the uh, casino, he starts gambling. And, you know, everybody knows who he is, and people kind of start gathering around. And even the owner of the casino or the manager of the casino, Pit Boss and stuff, is watching, you know. And they're all kind of, I got the sense that they're all kind of hoping he's going to win because he's so deep in the hole. They know, like, how are we going to get the money from this guy? He owes so much. Like, there's no way he could ever earn this money. He's that deep in the hole. Like, we'd have to kill him, you know, or do something because how did he get that deep, right? They kind of need him to win in a sense, right? Because he kind of, uh, like, they, it's a very interesting thing, right? Because if he just disappears, they're out millions. 
If he dies, they're out millions. They need him to win to get even. Which is weird, right? Because it's like it's great that he's he owes them money, but now he owes so much they might not ever be able to collect. So it's kind of this interesting dynamic. And then so then he gets more money from this guy, right? He borrows he borrows this guy's just like, okay, you know, you're they're gonna kill you basically. And uh so I'm gonna I'm gonna save your butt. Here's the money, but for real, we gotta do this. And and then he realizes like it's even more than this guy can cover. And I may be butchering the story a bit here, but the the point will come around. And then so he got to get money from this other guy too, who he owes money to. And then they then he he's kind of setting this whole thing up because he realizes like the only way out is to borrow money from these two big shots, and then go to this third big shots casino like for the big big stakes and play with these other guys money to back him and then he's got to win against this other guy's casino so that he can be even and everybody can get paid and uh, he can walk away so that's fascinating because he's so broke theoretically right he has all this debt millions and millions of debt but he can't, can't pay it. There's no way. There's not enough time in the day, not enough years in his life to be able to ever pay it back working a job or doing anything else. So he gets these investors. And then, you know, I, I don't want to blow the story, but anyway, so life is kind of like that. And then I was thinking about, um, you know, Donald Trump, not in a political sense, but as a entrepreneur, as a business owner, and you know, I know this. Just even saying that name is going to ruffle feathers. But he's he's the one that said this quote, which was he was. You know, there's a story about him after he had gone bankrupt, and or he was millions in debt, something like that. And he's walking down the street and sees this homeless person, and he says, "Hey, that guy is like million, two million dollars richer than I am," which is an interesting thing, right? Here's this guy who's homeless who has no money, but yet is financially richer than Donald Trump was at that point. So how does that happen? And Donald Trump and, and many successful, very successful rich business people have gone bankrupt at some point in their lives. They lost it all. But now they're richer than most people. Now they're the ones who are in the, the top 1% of richest people. But at some point, they were poorer. They were, you know, they had less money, more debt than everybody else. So it strikes me as kind of a similar situation, right? It's the people who, on one hand, put it all on the line, who have the opportunity to win it all. And you, and there's a lot of us that would prefer to play it safe and never take out loans, never borrow, never. Um, get a house or a mortgage for that reason and you know play put money in the 401ks and this and that but if experience has taught us anything we know that those people can get can get screwed too they can take a hit right because the people playing it safe putting all their money in the 401ks and then all of a sudden like you know wall street decides to just play games and these people lose their whole retirements people that saved and scrimped and worked so hard their whole lives and played it safe and never took risks, ended up getting hurt the most. How does that happen? 
It's not fair. Life's not fair. We know that, right? But if we know that and we don't do anything about it, then what difference does it make? It doesn't do us any good to sit around and whine about it, complain about it, woe is me about it. So if we know that the people who are playing it safe and sitting on the sidelines occasionally get run over by the people who are going fast and taking the turns and skidding and running and hustling and, and taking those risks, then that kind of changes the, the question and the, the purpose, right? So which one do you want to be? The one playing it safe who could still potentially get burned and lose it all? Or the one who could get burned and lose it all but is going for something bigger and as a result will probably learn from even any downfalls or any disasters and be able to recover faster and be able to move faster and be able to recover faster and, and thrive faster. Whereas the other person might not at all because the, the straight, narrow, slow and steady path is slow and steady. It takes time. And time is one thing none of us can get back. That is the limiting factor for each and every one of us, right? So how do we improve our use of time? We leverage our use of time. We become business owners, we become investors. So hope that uh, inspires you to think of things maybe you haven't thought of, maybe you have thought of, but need a little nudge or some, some other perspectives around it. Those are my perspectives. Obviously, do what you want, do what you need to do, but come at it with a little bit of that knowledge. I think you'll, uh, I think you'll make some interesting decisions or non-decisions, maybe a side, not side. That's good too. All right, friends, I've been rambling now, but I appreciate your time. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Find Your Flow podcast. This has been about the cash flow quadrant, Robert Kiyosaki's books. I've read most, if not all of them. Actually, not all of them, because I know he's probably written a bunch more now. But big fan of his and the cash flow quadrant and the education that he's given me through his books and through his cash flow game, which I also have, and I even have the kids version for, for our son because this stuff is so important and it's stuff you don't learn in school. And that itself begs some pretty interesting questions, I think, but that's neither here nor there. That is here nor there. So get yourself financially educated because nobody's gonna teach you this stuff. And yeah, a lot of times you end up having to pay for it. You pay for it one way or another, friends, right? Either by uh, School of Hard Knocks, trial and error, which is not always a fun way to learn things, or you, you invest in yourself, you find mentors, people who have done it, who are doing it, and you learn from them, ideally. That's the way I like to do it anyway. It's less painful that way, generally. So there you go, friends. Thank you so much for your time. I wish you all the best and success and happiness and joy and all that good stuff. And until next time, my friends, be flowing.
Well, thanks for listening, friend. By the way, do you have a story that you would like to share with other flowers? Maybe you'd like to put it in a book. Well, go to findyourflow.com forward slash author club and learn how you can publish your own book or become a published author in the Find Your Flow book series. Simply go to findyourflow.com forward slash author club, all one word, and be sure to join the free Facebook group while you're at it. Thanks, friend. And until next time, be flowing.